Thursday, September 28th, and welcome. An unprecedented start to the Damon Bruce Show here on The Plus. Are you ready? Sip of the day, right there. I mean, the fastest sip of the day in the history of the program. Today's the 125th episode of us going live at 11. And by the way, we just timed the coffee, and I'll never lie to you. I'll never lie to you. The sip was perfect right there. I just took a little drink right before we hopped on the air. It was perfect. Sip of the day, 11 o'clock. Boom, right on the dot, 11.01. It's an unprecedented moment in the history of the show. I'm glad we were all here for it. I, I really, really am. Thank you for joining me. It is great to see you once again. We got some things to get into today that I know you're going to enjoy. And as always, we will never, ever, ever waste your time, not for a millisecond around here. So I want to start with the direction of today's thumbnail and why that all kind of came about. Because I'm, you know, sitting around, I'm editing video, I'm listening to some music, I'm just busy work, busy work. And for whatever reason, because I didn't want to take another episode of Seinfeld or The Office or whatever, I just, I put on last week's 49er game thinking, you know, maybe I'll, I'll catch something I didn't see upon my first two times watching the game. I'll just have it on in the background. Maybe something the announcer said catches my ear. Maybe something that I didn't notice happens. And, you know, anything granular really pop out of that at me? The answer was no. But an overall arching theme really did sort of reveal itself to me. And it's kind of hidden right in plain sight because we can all see it. And then when you start comparing the way the 49ers go about plying their offense to the way other teams go about plying their offense, it's really unique. It's really unique. One of the things that I like most about the San Francisco 49ers and their offense is that they play with violence. Normally, when you talk about an NFL team's level of violence, you're talking about something going on at the line of scrimmage, or you're talking about the entire defensive side of the ball. Like that is where we apply the word violence in football more than anywhere else. It's rarely applied to skill players, right? It's rarely applied to an offensive concept that the entire team, not just the offensive linemen, have embraced, have totally taken into their heart. This concept of playing with violence is everything that that Kyle Shanahan has built this offense to revolve around. And there are always different ways to skin a cat, right? Always different ways to skin a cat. We have uh, the, uh, I'm not calling the Dolphins a finesse team, but they're running around guys more than they're running through guys. The 49ers are running through dudes, through people. And, you know, I'm not just talking about Debo or Ronnie Bell. You know, one of the receivers who obviously didn't play last week, so I didn't see this, but I'm going to tell you, I do see it from him. Like Brandon Ayuk plays with violence. You look at him and you don't think, well, there's a wide receiver who's going to bring an awful lot of violence to the field. These guys scrap and fight for every yard. They are always falling forward. They are always pushing. They're always stiff arming. They're always keeping those legs churning. I mean, there is an element of agressivo to the 49ers skills position players that when you watch other NFL games, you just don't see. 
You simply do not see. You see the wide receiver have a choice to fight for that extra yard or take it out of bounds without contact. The 49ers are never taking it out of bounds. They are seeking contact. And that is what I think makes the Niners a little tougher to play than your average NFL team. How many teams are physically violent offensively? I can count at least one. That is for sure. And again, I'm not talking about the madman tight end who enjoys blocking as much as he does scoring a touchdown. This isn't just Kittle. These aren't the positions that you think are usually assigned to violence. Wide receivers play with violence. Christian McCaffrey is out there looking to break noses. He's delivering stiff arms so hard. Um, it's really something else. Elijah Mitchell needs to get a little credit in this regard, too. This is Kyle Juszczyk playing with violence. Well, all foot fullbacks are supposed to be violent. It's like a prerequisite for the position. But, man... Since the position hardly even exists anymore in the NFL, I guess it stands out when you actually see it. So something else from the San Francisco 49ers. It is good to have you here. Thank you so much for joining us on the Plus once again. If you uh, plan on joining us on AMP, if you're there right now, hello, welcome. It's good to have you. We have no guests today, so there won't be pockets of total silence for you if you're listening on the AMP app. And what we will have for you today is me coming up out of my deep dive of English rock. Uh, the playlist today stays over in England. We will knock around London for one last day this week. And I'll finally be able to play you my single favorite Led Zeppelin song of all time. So you're not going to want to miss that. It's going to be over on the AMP app after we get out of Club Plus and into the VIP lounge. If you know, you know. If you know, spread the gospel. Follow me on AMP. We're having a lot of fun over there. When this show ends, the real music show kind of begins. And I love doing that, I think, as much as I like doing anything. I really do. Um I want to thank my sponsors as always. Love my sponsors, starting with the man who is out there delivering love and sandwiches to you for goodness sakes, and that man is Ike. A new location seems to be popping up around the Bay Area, uh, around Northern California, just about every single time I look up. Congratulations to my man's growth and success, and you will have an awful lot of success when you sign up for that Ike Rewards program and you start earning your way to free sandwiches. That's success, baby. What's better than a sandwich? A free sandwich. But not a free sandwich is given to you, a free sandwich that you earned. I like to think our, our, our plucers out there like earning what they get. Um, no days off. So get yourself to Ike's for a delicious sandwich. You'll be happy that you did. A little something for anyone is what you will find at Ike's. Uh, blackened whiskey, I absolutely love Love Black and Whiskey. Tomorrow is going to be our last day as a formal sponsor because nobody's advertising dollars go to infinity, especially not a new brand. Black and Whiskey was my original sponsor. They signed up before Ike's even did formally, and uh, it means an awful lot to me. They say that they'll be back in Q1 of 2024. I certainly hope that that's not lip service, but a partnership that continues because I have loved telling you about Blackened. And more than that, I've loved drinking Blackened. So tomorrow, we will absolutely be uh, doing 
One last formal whiskey pull Friday to thank Blackened for all they have done to help us get up off the mat of the layoff and start bringing this show to you here on YouTube. I am forever indebted to my friend Charles at Blackened, and I certainly hope that tomorrow will not be the end of a relationship. Again, I was told that, you know, uh, Uncle Boys, a small local burger joint, couldn't continue to go forward, but they wanted to remain, and we found out a way. That's why Uncle Boys is going to be bringing you the Big Herbs Memorial Good for Ball, Bad for Ball segment each and every Friday because they had another break in to deal with. I just want to give a little love to Uncle Boys here. And you are loving what you're seeing out of my man, Stefan, who, by the way, I'm going to the ballpark with tomorrow night. Stefan's flying into San Francisco from Vegas, and we're going to go sit right by the on-deck circle, like front row seats. This man's got it styled out for me. So thank you in advance, Stefan. Can't wait to hang out with you tomorrow night. Uh, BottomLineBets.com is a place you should be hanging out if you'd like to, you know, win, win often, profit from your love of sports. Throw a little skin in the game, things get more interesting. You start winning with that skin in the game, things get really interesting. Daily, weekly, monthly, and the full season is being offered to you at a great premium price right now. Go to bottomlinebets.com. Stop taking my word for it. Find out for yourself what it's like to win day after day after day when you're going around and making plays in the world of sports. And where do you make that play? I suggest you make that play at mybookie.com. AG. As a matter of fact, I insist upon it. And when you make a deposit, use promo code Damon. You'll get a 50% deposit match up to $1,000. And you will find props and unique ways to make plays that just really aren't anywhere else. There's an awful lot of fun to be had. There's a whole casino floor waiting for you because it's offshore, baby. Mybookie.ag. Sign up today. Put in your deposit. Use promo code Damon. And have some fun. So there you go. Uh, we have taken care of business. The 49ers handle their business with a degree of violence, which I absolutely love from an offense. Now, could it be part of the reason the Niners find themselves with guys hurt? Yeah. I mean, football is a violent game. And when you're seeking contact, you got a better chance to hurt yourself than when you're not. But it is this team's DNA. You know, what is the one thing that really separates the 49ers from the rest of the league? What is the element of this team that is their identity? And I say it with the best possible definition of the word violence, which I know is a word that makes people recoil. Of course, I'm talking about football violence. And trying to remove the violence or danger from football, even though there are several steps to have that happen, it's like trying to remove gravity from skydiving. You will never be able to do it. So the teams that embrace it, I've always felt, go the furthest. 49ers are ultra-physical. And what I love about their ultra-physical play is what we're seeing out of a new, revamped, rebuilt, reconcepted defensive line um, beyond... Hargrave showing up for the high price free agent that he was beyond Eric Armstead in his ninth year now really becoming a, a premier defensive tackle. Uh, you have for the first time in his career, Javon Kinlaw joining the party in a way that I don't know anyone expected. 
Akash Anavarampian, who I got to get back on the channel. I think he's a really, really interesting uh, 49ers reporter. You can follow him on Twitter. Uh, he was charting pressures by defensive tackles in true pass sets. So this eliminates plays that are screens. This is you got a quarterback dropping back. And you're not setting up your defensive tackles to apply pressure by running a screen at them. You're not inviting it. You're trying to prevent it. Well, Jonathan Allen of the Washington Commanders has 13 true pass set defensive pressures on a quarterback, followed by uh, Jalen Carter, who is within a small group of games put together as strong a Rookie Defensive Player of the Year campaign is Puka Nakua has turned out for the Los Angeles Rams as an Offensive Rookie of the Year. It's going to be hard to take either away from these guys. Uh, Jalen Carter looks unbelievable for the Philadelphia Eagles, and he's got 12 of those true pass rush from a defensive tackle in a passing play uh, credits to his season so far. And then... It's Javon Kinlaw. Yes, Javon Kinlaw in his fourth NFL season, in his first NFL season being healthy, has absolutely delivered on the promise of his draft pick. Let's see if he can keep it up. But he is third in the NFL in defensive tackle quarterback pressures in a true pass set. And then you got at number three, excuse me, at number four, Javon Hargrave, who's got 10. Oh, no, he's tied at three because Kinlaw's got 10. Hargrave's got 10. And that's the big dollar free agent signing that he was acquired to be. And then at number four, it's Eric Armstead, who's got nine. The big man in year nine is off to a great start in this five down defensive lineman look that Steve Wilkes has thrown out there is causing havoc. And all I can tell you is that if you are putting together a team to eventually meet and beat the Philadelphia Eagles in a big game, finding guys who can wreak havoc in an interior offensive line that's regarded as maybe the best in football is right at the top of that wish list. And what do you know? That's what the 49ers have done. They've built a team to be a bully, to play violently week in, week out, but they've also addressed what they need to to beat the Eagles, and that's a really big X marks the spot. At least that's the way it feels right now on any level of success that we could actually attach to the 49ers this year. So things are looking good for the 49ers. Welcome officially. Welcome officially to week four, which gets underway with a Thursday nighter tonight. We got what? Lions at Packers? Sure. Yeah, I'll watch a little black and blue division football. Why not? I don't think either one of those teams plays as physically as the 49ers do. Maybe the Lions, because they got a nasty offensive line. And you got Dan Campbell just trying to run it down everybody's throat, just jam it on down. It doesn't matter if you have one ass cheek and three toes. I will beat your ass. I mean, the man has spoken. What are you going to do? Come on, Deese. Deese nuts. Love him. Um, it's going to be, hopefully, a, an entertaining Thursday night game tonight. 
We got no Giants baseball to worry about, which is a little bit of a blessing at this point. Again, I'm going to go to my last game of the year tomorrow night with my pal Stefan of BottomLineBets.com. And, you know, when you think of Stefan, you got to think about point spreads a little bit because that's what he's trying to do. It's what he's trying to beat. And I saw a pretty interesting article today. You know, what is a guy really worth to an NFL point spread? Well, there's no one who's going to be worth more than a team starting quarterback. And of the team starting quarterbacks, there is no quarterback who is attached to more this guy's responsible for this team covering than Patrick Mahomes. Uh, According to uh, a little research done, Patrick Mahomes in Las Vegas is worth seven and a half points. If he's playing, the Chiefs are going to be worth at least seven and a half points more than if he's not. It's that simple. That's a massive number. The man is worth a touchdown plus in Las Vegas. That's something else. There's no other quarterback in football who is worth an entire touchdown and extra point. You got Jalen Hurts being tracked at six and a half points, according to what he's worth in Las Vegas. Josh Allen is six and a half. Joe Burrow, six and a half. Aaron Rodgers, six and a half. Justin Herbert is five and a half. Followed by Trevor Lawrence and Tua, who are both coming in at five. Then Dak Prescott and Deshaun Watson, who are at four and a half. I would imagine if we kept going, we'd get to Brock Purdy. But the whole point is Brock Purdy and Sam Darnold, should he be thrown in there, it wouldn't represent that much of a drop-off. Again, this is where you make the sign of the cross and light a candle if you're the 49ers fan talking about something like this. But hopefully it's an experiment that Niners fans don't see run this year. But no one's worth more to the spread than Patrick Mahomes at seven and a half points. By the way, Jalen Hurts coming in at six and a half club already. I saw that his 29 rushing touchdowns are the most ever by an NFL quarterback in their first 50 career games. So nice start for Jalen Hurts. Um, The top five biggest value between a starter and a backup It's the Chiefs coming in at number one, Browns at number two, Chargers at three, Bengals at number four, Bills at number five. Top five offensive players, non-quarterbacks, what are they worth to the spread? Well, it's rare to find anyone who would even be worth a field goal. Unless you're a quarterback, you have to be having a career year to be regarded as your absence would be worth about a field goal. What do you know at the top of the list for top five offensive non-quarterback factors into a point spread? It's Christian McCaffrey coming in at number one. He's worth three points, according to Las Vegas. Derrick Henry, two and a half. Travis Kelsey, two and a half. Taylor Swift, two and a half. Just kidding. Tyreek Hill, two and a half. Justin Jefferson worth two points. Defensively, to be worth more than two points at any point in time is rare. Micah Parsons is worth two for the Cowboys. TJ Watt, two for the Steelers. And then Nick Bosa worth one and a half points. Again, if you're a defensive player who's going to affect the spread by one and a half points, you don't even touch the ball. That means you are just a game wrecker. Miles Garrett's at one and a half. Aaron Donald is at one. So you see 49ers right at the top of non-quarterback point spread value and what they're attached to on both lists. It just shows you how well this team is built and how interesting and dangerous. And again, the theme of today, violence 
They really are. So I like that. I like that an awful lot. Uh, yeah, you are right, Michelle. We got Kittle and CMC just playing with uh, CMC playing with veracity, ferocity. You're right. They do. They are just a nasty football team. The shot guys out there just stiff arming dudes. He sure is. Postman, good to see you. He wants an oi oi oi. Oi oi oi. He gets one. I saw earlier today in the Pluser pre-show chat, you're talking about what air traffic patterns down at San Jose Airport. Okay. All right. Michelle saying, wow, show 125 with a sip of the day right at the very top of the show. That's nice. It's like it's like opening with a tweezer reprise. You would never think to have it. And then when it happens, you're like, holy shit, we're in for a barn burner tonight. <laughs> Uh, VIP Patel, back in the room, back from Mexico City. Olale. Let's go Niners. and Welcome back, VIP Patel. The Shaw suggests to everyone, hit that like button. You'll be happy that you did. Well, thank you very much, Shaw. I appreciate that. My cousin always says, when all else fails, resort to violence. Well, you know, not in polite society. But on a football field, yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Nice guys finish last on a football field. Ren, don't tell me violence doesn't solve anything. It solved World War II, for goodness sakes. You know, as I said earlier this week to uh, not much fanfare, uh, the thing that the San Francisco police force needs to incorporate into its game plan to combat all of these car break-ins and business break-ins that have been rampant in the city lately, violence. You have my full permission to turn off the body cams and whoop some ass when you catch someone red-handed. I will not be elected mayor anytime soon, but I do think I have a strong strategy to run on. Michael Chan says Terrell Owens would have been awesome in this offense. Dude, Terrell was not afraid to scrap it up. I'll agree with you there. He's one of the best wide receivers of all time. Damon, 10 years gone for your favorite Zeppelin song. David Ryder, you're going to need to tune into AMP when we get done with Club Plus today. The VIP room is opening. I'm going to tell you now that 10 years gone is a great song. It's not my favorite Led Zeppelin song. It's not even in my top 10, as a matter of fact. Cashmere, great song. Um, I skipped a final and ended up getting a D in my senior year at Indiana. I knew I was graduating, so I didn't care about my final report card at all. I skipped a final, which was like half of my grade, to go see Page and Plant at Market Square Arena. They were awesome. They played with John Bonham's son, Jason Bonham, on drums. They had a bassist from the guy played in The Cure. They covered an awful lot of great Zeppelin that night. And Page and Plant was the closest I could get to Led Zeppelin while they were still alive. I skipped a final to do this, got a D, felt really good about it. Um, the coolest thing about that show, they opened with Thank You, a very underrated, very mellow, perfect way to open a show if you're Led Zeppelin. No one's expecting it. It was great. 
They ended the night with the Indianapolis Philharmonic Orchestra coming out and they played cashmere for over 20 minutes. You just had cellos and violins with a da-na-na, da-na-na, da-na-na. I was walking out of that show and overheard some lady complaining like, we didn't get a stairway to heaven. I really wanted a stairway to heaven. I said, lady, you just got a half an hour of cashmere backed by an orchestra. Stop complaining. She's like, I guess you're right. Yeah, I was definitely right. That song's awesome, but that is not my favorite song. It's in the top five. I got a great favorite Led Zeppelin song for you today. Baron Red, we already went over Pink Floyd earlier this week. So, you know, there it is. I'm not going to go public with it, but uh, Nathaniel Richards here has called it out. You are correct there. Don't. That's to me, it's the greatest chord project, greatest chord. What am I looking for? Procession? I I guess that's it. It's, it's, to me, it's my favorite musical sonic moment of Led Zeppelin's entire career. We'll get to it a little bit later, but Nathaniel Richards has correctly identified it here. And we are correctly identifying him as a new dad. A third child has arrived. Congratulations to the Richards once again. Indeed, Black and Whiskey is great. Black and Whiskey's fantastic. Again, they cannot be a sponsor of the show. I'm probably still going to talk a little bit about Black and Whiskey. That's how much I like it. And again, hopefully they do come on back because I think the relationship has been beneficial. Very, very beneficial. So we'll get back into the chat in just a little bit. Thank you for being here. Thank you for supporting everything we're doing. It means so very, very much. I want to talk about Dame Lillard being traded to Milwaukee. While we were in Club Plus, this news broke yesterday. Uh, A three-team trade lands Lillard in Milwaukee. The Suns kind of get a poo-poo platter of assets um, that they're going to like more than DeAndre Ayton, who got involved in this. He ends up in Portland. Portland also gets Drew Holiday, who everyone thinks that they're about to flip for other pieces and just go full-on rebuild. That's probably Portland's best action at this point in time, best thing that they could do. And look, I really don't want to talk about the players or the particulars here. I want to talk a little bit about the cities and the fans who are involved in this. Like Portland, what can I tell you? I'm I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry. Milwaukee has, well, a player that you had, but is also the concept that you're trying to have have run. You know, even though we're an off-the-map, smaller than average NBA city who gets less attention, even though we've got an MVP caliber player on our roster. Someday we hope it all comes together and we win. In Milwaukee, that's already happened with Giannis. 
And look, Milwaukee would not have won a championship had they not stumbled into a draft that got them their version of Steph Curry. And what I mean by that is whatever your expectations were for the pick on the night it was made, they've been so thoroughly exceeded by this player's excellence that you have ended up with a championship. Milwaukee winning a championship, we didn't think that that was going to happen, and it didn't happen in between Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Giannis. That's how hard it is to get great players to Milwaukee. You either better draft him and get lucky around him, or you swing a huge trade for a player the caliber of Dame Lillard, which, like, great for Milwaukee. But Portland, just to stick with you for a second here, like, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry that it didn't work out. You had one of the, I mean, the two greatest trailblazers of all time. I, uh, you know, with you know, go back to Bill Walton. Sure, at the end of his career, maybe, but not really. We're talking about Clyde Drexler and Damian Lillard, and Damian Lillard is probably better than Clyde Drexler, but it was a different style. I mean, that's a thing. Being better than Clyde Drexler is an awfully big mouthful of accolades. You know, being as good as Clyde Drexler is is a pretty good thing to be. And Lillard might have even been better. Playing in a much different game, obviously. But it sucks. You know, the Portland Trailblazers are right back to behind square one of we're never going to win anything. We're never going to be NBA champions. You know, unless you crush four or five draft picks in a row, make the trade that finally lands you the big player, which Portland never seems to land, gets fished out of. But I guess it can happen because Milwaukee's the other example of it. You know, Milwaukee is the little Midwestern city that could, and it's got to drive Cavaliers fans, Detroit fans who don't, you know, aren't old enough to remember the bad boys. It's got to drive Pacers fans nuts. That the little undesirable, nobody wants to be drafted there, nobody's going to sign a second contract to stay there, nobody wants to be traded there, little Milwaukee did it. They did it. And they did it with a very unique player who felt a sense of loyalty and didn't pick up his bag and go to an easier to take advantage of situation for whatever reason. And look, Dame, you were trying to do that. Dame Lillard was trying to work his way to Miami because it was going to be easier at this point in time in his career to win a title there. Well, it might be pretty easy in Milwaukee now because when you want to talk about having two players who are unquestionably, you know, in the top four or five at their position on the same roster, the Bucks got it. The Bucks got it, dude. And they know how to win a championship because it's happened. And they've got two of the 15 best players in this league now on the same roster. Dame Lillard and Giannis together? Holy shit. Okay. I, I want to watch the Milwaukee Bucks. Landing Lillard is massive for the Milwaukee Bucks. They have a future Hall of Fame piece to go along with their currently already have him future Hall of Fame player, former MVP Giannis, who's already won a championship. And, you know, Lillard is 33, so you might be thinking, well, you know, if you really wanted to win a championship with Dame Lillard, you should have picked him up when he was 28 to 30, not when he's 33. He's a little past his prime. 
that would be ignoring the season that he just had. Now, maybe an arrow that you'd like to fire at this premise from your quiver would be, well, you know, he got hurt last year and he was only able to play X amount of games. They also shut him down. Um, th th that's all true. You know, the injured Dame Lillard becomes a reality at the age of 33 that you got to deal with. But the other reality of Dame Lillard is his 32.2 points per game are the most by any player to change teams following the next season. Lillard just had an awesome year before he got hurt. And if he stays healthy with Giannis in Milwaukee, dude, look out, dude. The Bucs are for real. So much so that the Milwaukee Bucks have now officially emerged as the consensus favorite to win the NBA title after the trade. Odds at most U.S. sports books around four to one. Milwaukee had been listed as the fourth favorite. Then they trade for Dame Lillard. Now they're listed as the favorite, but they were behind the defending champs, the Nuggets, the Celtics, and the Suns. And now they've leapfrogged all of them to be the Vegas betting darling. Very interesting move. I feel bad for Portland. I feel really good for Milwaukee. I always root for the little guy, the overlooked guy in some way, shape, or form. So I'm happy for him. Again, nobody's a Utah Jazz fan, but you know, the Utah Jazz, they, they deserve a championship. Those fans are so loyal, they've gotten nothing for it. Like, I don't, you know, like, if you're a Clippers fan, fuck you. You chose wrong. You live in LA. You just, you were born into the wrong family, however you got to the Clippers, but it sucks to be you, dude. Like, you made the wrong choice. In Utah, you don't have a choice of teams. In Portland, you don't have a choice of teams. In, in, in Milwaukee, you don't have a choice of teams. In LA, screw you. You, could, you had the chance to be a Lakers fan. You chose the Clippers. You douchebag. Speaking of the Utah Jazz, there is another story that is very much of the now. So their owner is only 45 years old. Like, I still can't believe it when NFL head coaches are younger than me. That's happening now. I'm officially 48. That happens. We got NBA owners who are younger than me. Not many. Maybe this is the NBA owner who is younger than me. Although, what is uh, the guy who just bought them? The Suns. He's not old. He's not an old man. I don't know if he's younger than 48 or not. I don't care. But Ryan Smith is. He's the 45-year-old owner of the Utah Jazz. This is a guy who grew up in Utah, dreamed of owning the Jazz one day, became enough of a business success that he was able to buy the Jazz. I mean, it's very much a Disney story. Well, leave it to a young guy to survey the entire media landscape in a way that maybe an older guy wouldn't and think it's time for me to get, get ahead of the future. And that's what the Utah Jazz have done in a media deal that I, pretty, that I find very interesting. So in the wake of AT&T Sportsnet getting out of the regional sports network business earlier this year, the franchise unveiled a plan earlier this week for broadcasting its games on a combination of over-the-air broadcast games on, uh, uh, and uh, on KJZZ, which is a newly created streaming service called no so excuse I'm let me, I got a little ahead of myself. They're going to be over the air on a station called KJZZ. 
So in over the, the thing, you don't have to have cable to watch jazz games. They're just given to you. That's good. He's also created something called Jazz Plus. Plus? Jazz Plus? Really? Trademark? No. Look, um, Jazz Plus giving team total control over its local broadcasting rights. In other words, you want to watch the Utah Jazz? There's an app for that. If you can't get them over the TV, there's an app for that. Folks, it's only a matter of time before Joe Lacob and company stumble into this. They're, they're, I'm surprised they're not first to it. They're so forward-thinking and ahead of the technological curve, light years ahead, if you don't mind me saying, on so many issues. ESPN story says doing so comes without a hefty revenue payments uh, comes without the hefty revenue payments that come along with regional sports network deals, which have come to serve as the backbone of sports teams and leagues for decades. But those are going away as the cable industry continues to reel from years of subscriber base erosion. Quote from Ryan Smith, the owner of the Utah Jazz. I was a fan. I was a fan, he said, from his office overlooking the courts inside the Salt Lake City practice facility last week. I know the problem of going, why is my game blacked out? Why am I dealing with this? Why can't I get my game? I'm on the road traveling somewhere. Why is this so complex? Where is my streaming option? Is it a league pass? This is what the guy is saying. So he's been a fan. Look, he's, he knows for a fact that f- looking for games is so frustrating. You just might say, well, forget it. I'm not even bothering. Rob Manford was just being asked about this, saying, hey, man, you got to have like nine different streaming services to watch an entire season of baseball. Do you think this is good for the game? And Manford is just lying, saying, yeah, it's good because the money's good for the owners. Good for the game? Good for growing it? Good for giving people access to it? No, it's not. Wider reach for a smaller paycheck today, but giving yourself a pivot in the direction the entire media-consuming world is now living in? Not only does it sound like a good idea to me, it's the life that I'm living right now. Taking my show to YouTube has allowed me to access the 2.5 billion daily YouTube viewers or weekly, month, whatever it is. But there's more people on YouTube than any other site on the planet looking for videos, bar none. Now, am I making the same paycheck that I used to make being paid to be on afternoon drive radio and terrestrial radio? No. But what I'm sacrificing in money today is an investment in the direction that the entire media world is moving in anyways. Something that JT the Brick and I were talking about yesterday. JT has started a YouTube channel. All the smart animals in the forest, all of them, are going to YouTube. Stephen A. Smith is the highest paid guy at ESPN in terms of on-air talent, making, what, $10, $12 million a year to be Stephen A. Smith. Stephen A. Smith knows that no matter what contract he has with ESPN, it could go 
poof, disappear at any time. And that's why Stephen A. Smith today, as the highest paid media member in sports, basically, is more interested in selling and promoting his YouTube channel than he is even working for ESPN. You can see when he sits down to do the shows, he's better on YouTube than he is on any first take anything. Because he knows this is where the future is. All the smart animals. And look, I'm not saying that I'm a smart animal. I'm a dumb animal. I had to been kicked out of the... It, they had to kick me off the watering hole for me to look for water somewhere else. But I just think it's it's fascinating. We are at a moment of in time and of disruption and inflection in sports media like never before. The Utah Jazz. So you want to watch our games? There's an app for that. I think the Phoenix Suns have taken their games off cable and gone full over-the-air broadcast TV. Now, the Warriors got such a cozy deal with their cable situation, and the Warriors are such a rating success that NBC, Bay Area, whatever they're on, and whatever that is, uh, is going to fight like tooth and nail to try to keep them. It's only a matter of time until Joe Lacob does his own math and says, I'm willing to leave a couple million dollars on the table today to be way ahead of the curve of any and all, you know, any and all uh, future media direction. You know, that, that's, that's what it is. I mean, the NFL has gone to YouTube. <laughs> that's all you need to know, right? Chef A says, uh, did I miss Sip of the Day? You did, Amy. We, uh, we we started the show with it. It was an unprecedented start to the show. Make sure you, you go back and, and catch it later today. You'll be blown away. <laughs> oh, all right. We'll get back into the uh, chat and club plus in just a second. Sports history is always going to fascinate me. I love sports history. I love when we actually get a slice of it. And the reason why I love baseball is because you can think that you've seen something in baseball and then you do a little research and it proves that they've been playing the game of baseball for so long, for so many years, over 150 years, basically, of Major League Baseball. And the, thing that, the, the one thing that you think is unique to you has actually happened 15, 20 times throughout Major League Baseball history. Except for what we saw in Atlanta last night. Ronald Acuna becoming the first ever member of the I Hit 40 Home Runs and Swiped 70 Bags Club. The 4070 Club. He stole two bases last night. He held the 70th over his head in extra innings. He should have, you know, we, we get bat flips. He should have base flipped second base into the outfield. It was impressive, man. He's got to be the National League MVP. It's going to be him or Mookie. I don't care that he got shut down about a month ago. It's got to be Shohei in the in the American League. Ronald Acuna, 40-70. Never happened before. We've had 40-40. Acuna's gotten us to 40-50. He is the 40-60 guy. Now 40-70. And he's got 41 home runs, by the way. Uh, the... Braves have clinched the National League's top seed 
and will have home field advantage through the National League Championship Series should they advance that far. Atlanta's sitting at 102-56 and on the season. One more win guarantees home field advantage through the World Series for the Atlanta Braves. They are good. The Giants, meanwhile, are not. And, I, you know, it's been a lot of people lining up to kick the Giants in the teeth in the past couple of days. Like, hey, welcome everybody to the party that we've been talking about for a while here. It's good to see my talking points being lifted and used in so many different places. But, you know, God bless y'all. I, I, I hear some of the things that Larry Kruger said in his now epic rant what you got to go see. If you haven't seen the Larry Kruger Epic Giants rant on my YouTube page, go find it. It's already one of the most viewed videos in my page's history. It's that good. It's 29 minutes of just locked in, pissed off Larry Kruger. It's awesome. I hear some of Larry's talking points in not only things that hosts on Sports Talk Radio are saying, but callers are saying. Again, everybody's lifting from us. Everybody. I got to tell you, man, I, I, I got to tell you, for a baseball team that has platooned everyone, everywhere, just about every single chance they get, why are the Giants so freaking tired? Why is this team so out of gas when you've got load management being applied to that dugout like no other dugout in Major League Baseball? Why are so many dudes running on empty when they've had so many chances to fill up their gas tank all year long? Like, I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Doesn't make any sense to me at all. Got a team full of dudes who played half a season. At the end of the year, they all looked like they played 162 games. They're exhausted. I don't get it. I just saw this. I tried to pin it for later, but I saw it right now. I'm going to read it right now. Otis talking about Christian McCaffrey saying the Niners best running back since Frank Gore, even though Mostert showed flashes. Look, dude, Raheem Mostert is a really nice story. He's no Christian McCaffrey and Christian McCaffrey is, is better than Frank Gore ever was. If we're completely honest, Frank Gore was awesome. Frank Gore was rock solid and steady. You could set your watch to Frank Gore's production, but he was no Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey is the 49ers best offensive weapon since Jerry Rice. Full stop. That's who he is. More on that when we get into Club Plus in just a little bit. But God, for a team that is just freaking literally going out of its way to rest everybody, the Giants are freaking exhausted. And I don't get it. All right, so we're well-caffeinated, we're not exhausted, but we're all at a Damon Bruce show, which means we're about to get into Club Plus, which means we will be on the AMP app, and let me tell you, today on AMP, I'm getting us out of England. One last day of the celebration of great English bands, 
And then tomorrow we'll come up with something completely different. But join me there. Join me in Club Plus. If you're listening, though, on the podcast, which, again, has got more downloads this month than in any other month in the podcast history. Thank you so very much. This is where we say goodbye to you, and we remind you that sports don't build character. They reveal it. And like that, he's gone.